1: See you all. Just got here from Portland. It's great to be in a real city. Now let's put on our big boy pants and be adults. Who do those people in Portland think that they are? Welcome. <laughs> to love it or leave it, the errors tour. We have a great show for you tonight. Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal joins us. Originally Drag Race alum, Irene Dubois, was supposed to be here, but she's sick. You know what? show's still going to be great. I ask you, dear audience, to give me some non frasier frames of reference for this soaking city. And Daily Show creator Madeline Smithberg is gonna teach me how to make French onion dip for some reason. (laughs) And I would love to hear your high notes. But first, let's get into it. What a week. Ron DeSantis. And it's like this, (laughs) it almost feels like it's like, it's like it's almost he doesn't deserve us. You know what I mean? He doubled down on his promise to, quote, slit the throats of federal bureaucrats if elected president, telling MSNBC's Willie Geist that he was simply being colorful. When you say something like you said in Rye, New Hampshire, that you want to, quote, slit the throats of federal bureaucrats, I know you didn't mean that literally, but do you have any pause or any regret about using that kind of rhetoric, given our political climate? No, because I think people knew it was a figure of speech. Um, I think people want to see big Why not changes... not say you're going to fire how him. Washington... Well, because you're, you're being colorful... <laughs> well, it's better than when he said he would skull-fuck the Supreme Court. When I said I would gouge out your eyeballs with a spoon and then run you over with my car... I was being folksy. <laughs> Later, DeSantis announced that he would drink the blood of the woke... And what critics are calling quirkiness. <laughs> On Wednesday, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump began giving testimony in their father's civil fraud trial. In preparation, Don Jr. did a huge line of practice questioning. <laughs> Photographers were allowed into the courtroom to take Don Jr.'s picture before he took the stand, leading him to joke, I should have worn makeup. Here, take some of mine, said his father, skimming off a handful of (laughs) bronze sludge from his own cheeks. Of course, I'm joking. Trump didn't show up. (laughs) Didn't show up to watch his son testify. In his second day of testimony, Don Jr. was grilled by prosecutors on why his signature was all over stacks of allegedly inaccurate financial statements that he claimed to have nothing to do with. Said Don Jr., I rely on the accounting team to tell me what is accurate. That's why we have accountants. Don Jr. went on to blame outside accountants for any discrepancies in the Trump organization's financial statements, which is obviously a lie. There's no such thing as outside accountants. These people are inside cats. These are indoor creatures. (laughs) (laughs) Lies, <laughs> so obvious. Ever seen an accountant outside. As the grueling questioning went on, Don Jr. screamed, Where is Papa? As he searched desperately in the gallery for the shining sun in his sky, the orienting force of his life, only to find nothing, just as his father before him found only a Fred Trump-shaped hole in every room, in every crowd. And so did Fred. And so on and so forth, until the original father awoke to sentience in the depths of the primordial sea, made his own slimy little Don Jr., and said, Stop crying, men don't cry. (laughs) At one point, according to the Times, Don Jr. began speaking very quickly while answering prosecutors' questions. When the judge cautioned him, Don Jr. said he would try to slow down. Probably just excited about all the justice going on. I know nothing gets me revved up like pure uncut justice straight to the dome. (laughs) Continued Don Jr. I'm gonna say this as slowly as possible, Your Honor. You and I should start a business that's like Uber, but for verdicts. (laughs) And maybe it's also a TV show. I'm really excited about this, man. I think we have something special here. (sighs) Yeah. In his own turn on the stand, Eric Trump claimed to have no knowledge of key documents at the center of the case, saying, I never had anything to do with the statement of financial condition. I never worked on it at the time, and I don't know anything about it, really, until this case came to fruition. Okay, said prosecutors. Once again, the question was, do you need some help getting your boxers unstuck from your pant zipper? (laughs) Looks pretty mangled there. Eric Trump ultimately became combative with the prosecutor when asked if he knew about the Trump organization's financial statements, saying, of course he knew the company had financial statements since we're a major organization, a massive real estate organization. All my girlfriends have told me it's the biggest real estate organization they've ever seen. (laughs) And yeah, I've seen the financial statements, and I was invited to my dad's birthday party. I was just busy that day. I'm in the loop, guys. (laughs) He said crying <laughs> prosecutors then showed Ann rice's ugliest vampire a 2013 email <laughs> from former trump organization comptroller jeff mcconney you say comptroller, right when you see comptroller you just say controller no i think that that's a new thing we started pronouncing a comptroller but it's just controller right no we say comptroller no but you wait, wait wait hold on hold on hold on hold on i like when this happens you see, COMP troller. I'm gonna do two things. Is that comp troller? Yeah! Or is it controller? Yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they showed Eric Trump an email from former Trump Organization controller Jeff McHoney, who <laughs> who earlier testified, <laughs> boomy, I don't care. Told him <laughs> that. <it laughs> anyway, some fucking douchebag at the Trump Organization <laughs> told Eric to overvalue his family's Seven Springs property. The email said, Hi, Eric, I'm working on your dad's annual financial statement. I need to value Seven Springs. Attached, please find how I valued it last year. Shockingly, Eric replied, I'm unable to value a single spring, Jeff. How am I to value seven? The melting of the snow, the return of birdsong. Young lovers emerging from under blanket and hearth, hands held in verdant parks, taking long walks amid lengthening days. How do you expect a man to put a price on the return of life and the vanquishment of biting, numbing winter? Come on, Jeff, you stupid fuck. It's worth a billion dollars. So Donald Trump actually did not attend his son's days on the witness stand. But before you start feeling bad for them, Trump did send the boys a note in someone else's handwriting that read, have a great kickball game. (laughs) One final note on this. On his way into court on Thursday, Don Jr. told the sketch artist to make him look sexy, which does explain the giant tits. Oh, I'm sorry, mate. Everybody's seeing it. You're seeing a sketch like it's Sam Benkman-Fried, but... tits. I incepted you all. I incepted you all with nonsense. It was Dino, right? How's it going so far? You okay so far? Okay. Dino doesn't know what this is. <laughs> it brings me no pleasure to report that the House Republicans are at it again. A resolution written by Marjorie Taylor Greene to censure Rashida Tlaib was voted down on Wednesday. Greene then lashed out at Republicans who voted against it, including Chip Roy, after he said the resolution was deeply flawed and contained legally and factually unverified claims. Greene then attacked Roy for kicking her out of the Freedom Caucus while retaining vaping, groping Lauren Boebert. And I just want to pause and appreciate the phrase vaping, groping Lauren Boebert... It has a beautiful meter. it's trokies. It's just trokey, 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 four in a row, vaping, roping, Lauren, Bobert. It's good. It's good writing. That's just good fucking writing. <laughs> She's a stupid, hateful poet, but she is a poet.) You voted with the Democrats to protect terrorists to lead, Green tweeted. You hate Trump-certified Biden's election and could care less about J6 defendants being persecuted. Stop trying to make us like Chip Roy. (laughs) And Chip Roy responded, tell her to go chase so-called Jewish space lasers if she wants to spend time on that sort of thing, recalling, of course, the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory which Green floated as a possible cause of what? The 2018 California wildfires. We we remember space lasers, but we don't remember what they were for. I forgot. Did you remember that they were starting fires in California? I forgot. The FBI on Thursday raided the home of New York City Mayor Eric Adams' 25-year-old fundraiser, Brianna Suggs. A search warrant reportedly showed that the raid was part of a broad public corruption inquiry into whether the Adams campaign conspired with the Turkish government to garner illegal foreign donations. Wow, that's crazy, sounds like a pretty big story, no? Said New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez. (laughs) Digging up the backup gold bars he hid in Henry Rutgers' grave. I thought for a while about where we should put the gold bars that Bob Menendez was gonna dig up. And I thought, Rutgers, that's funny. What is a Rutgers? Googled it, turns out it was a man. A revolutionary war, man. And then I said, well, where's that guy buried? He was buried in lower Manhattan, but they moved him once Manhattan got too crowded for that kind of thing. (laughs) Where'd they move him? New Jersey. The joke works. (laughs) All right, (laughs) shut up. (laughs) Investigators are looking into whether the campaign provided kickbacks to a Brooklyn construction company with ties to Turkey and to Turkish officials. Hey, I'm funding the legal campaign contributions here. (laughs) During an appearance on Italian TV, the Pope endorsed a two-state solution and lamented global anti-Semitism. Two peoples who must live together, said Pope Francis. With that, a wise solution exists. Two peoples, two states, follow the Oslo Agreement, two very limited states, and Jerusalem with a special status. Okay, Pope, but Arafat and Abbas walked away from peace talks. Israel has continued to expand settlements and resist a right of return. Tensions have never been higher. There can be no peace as long as Hamas controls Gaza. To which the Pope replied, hey, 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 check out on my bigger hat. I'm a Pope. The Times reported that at an early meeting with Adidas in 2013, Kanye drew a design featuring a swastika before later advising a Jewish employee to kiss a picture of Hitler every day. To be fair, from what I know about Hitler, he'd have hated that. This is a far cry from the vision of Adidas's founder, Nazi party member Adolf Dossler. <laughs> Besides, if Adidas didn't use pictures of Hitler and Eva Braun to delineate the men's and women's rooms at the office, things like this wouldn't happen. (laughs) Turned it around on Adidas. Coming for Adidas that time. In an interview published this week, Brooke Shields told Glamour that last month she had a seizure in a restaurant, and when she woke up, she was in an ambulance and Bradley Cooper was holding her hand. She said the seizure was caused by drinking too much water what she said you were perfect brooke perfect said the kool-aid man sliding the bare bonds across the table next to the massive crumbling hole in the side of her house look it's done okay i'm out you said i was out will you leave me and my family and my brick walls alone now oh yeah You see, the Kool-Aid man paid Brooke Shields to pretend she had a stroke for drinking too much water so that people would buy Kool-Aid to put it in the thing so they get their electrolytes. It's all fucking follow the money, Kui Bono, the Kool-Aid man. The Kool-Aid man always wins. The Kool-Aid man, hey, the Kool-Aid man wins whether you're thirsty or not. Anyway. (laughs) Shields has this seizure. They can't reach her husband. Bradley Cooper is in the neighborhood? And somehow the, they get in contact with Bradley Cooper via some celebrity network of assistants as if the only person that could help Brooke Shields in this moment has to be famous. It doesn't actually make sense. Like when a person has, when a celebrity has a seizure, if you're on a plane and a celebrity has an emergency, they don't say, is there a celebrity in the house? <laughs> like a, there must have been some medical professional, like Bradley Cooper wasn't actually helping. He, he was just around. But when I, it just doesn't was Justin, Trudeau. Justin Trudeau, I don't understand. Anyway, the point is, Brooke Shields said to a Glamour editor, who is also her friend, what she felt when she woke up with Bradley Cooper holding her hand. What she said is, "I thought to myself, this is what death must be like, <laughs> because I could not stop for Bradley Cooper." Bradley Cooper stopped for me. Shields said that in order to ensure she has enough sodium in her body and avoid another seizure, she's now under doctor's orders to eat potato chips every day. Shields' doctor said, and this is a quote, it's either that or medicine. But take a look at her doctor. I don't know if I trust this fucking guy. Doctors shouldn't have mustaches. I don't know why, but it's a rule. It feels weird if your doctor has a mustache. I don't like it. Plus, that's the Pringles guy. What do you mean? I... We're going to cut this, but just for us. Like, okay, you're drinking too much water. Basically you're basically drowning on dry land here. Like, I can see how that might happen by accident one time, but the solution isn't, oh, you should eat potato chips every day. As if, like, it implies that, like, Brooke Shields is living a normal life and just unable to get the salt she needs. This is America. (laughs) (laughs) We're all fucking pickled. We're fully fully pickled creatures. Like, what do you mean you're not getting enough salt? What's going on? What kind of fucking celebrity New York, Lower East Side, godforsaken... Dietitian, are you dealing with here but you're in a at a moment of fucking so you need to eat a medical potato chip yeah <laughs> I, I don't know that was my reaction <laughs> hall of fame basketball coach bobby knight known to fans as the general died wednesday at age 83 but if you listen closely For those listening at home, a folding chair flew across the stage. Amazon used a secret algorithm codenamed Nessie that functionally allowed it to inflate the prices of products on other websites according to a newly revealed excerpt from an FTC lawsuit. Hey, all right, all right. Once you're stopped booing, the people that aren't booing, any of you fucking in on this? It's dark. You don't have to say anything. Give me a, just, hey, just a light clap if you're in on this. Yeah, there it is. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Work for Bezos during the day. Come see the lefty fag at night. (laughs) support you (laughs) the FTC alleges that Amazon executives intentionally destroyed more than two years worth of communications by using the disappearing message feature on signal in defiance of the agency's instructions (laughs) whenever someone gets in trouble for having deleted their messages it's always like well yeah we knew we'd get in trouble we don't have them it was more important that you not have them That's why we deleted them. They're terrible. They'd have been so much worse. Whatever, however mad you are, that is the lower limit of how mad you would have been. (laughs) Without a doubt, unquestioning, there's no chance that you would have been less mad than you are now. You would have only been more mad. So our decision was good. The government also alleges that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos instructed executives to accept more junk ads to drive up ad revenue at the expense of user experience. For example, one executive apparently found that buck urine was the first result in a search for water bottles. (laughs) Oops, said a freak. (laughs) This wasn't what I wanted to drink. A tarantula crossing the road in Death Valley National Park caused an accident when a Swiss tourist in a camper van braked sharply, causing a man on a motorcycle to rear-end them. Yeah, the motorist is being charged with one count of failing the trolley problem. (laughs) Also, if you cause a car accident because of a bug that you wanted to save, you fuck up some motorcycle guy behind you to save the life of a bug, you lie. You say it was a bigger animal. (laughs) The biker was hospitalized, according to a statement from the National Park Service, which also noted that the spider walked away unscathed. But, according to news reports, tragically, Down came the rain and washed the spatter out. (laughs) And finally, according to new genetic research, the arms of a starfish are actually extensions of its head. Oh, now I'd fuck it, thought the scientist. I'm sorry. (laughs) The study was published in the prestigious journal of things a five-year-old said unprompted. Offered the study's lead author, it's as if the sea star is completely missing a trunk and is best described as just a head crawling along the sea floor. The lead author then laughed menacingly and added, pleasant dreams. <laughs> yeah. We have a great show. When we come back, Congressman Pramila Jayapal is here. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Love it or leave it is brought to you by Karayuma. You guys know about Karayuma shoes. They're cool. They're ethically made. And you can actually walk around in them without having to take embarrassing little breaks. <laughs> I love and wear Karayuma sneakers all the time. They look awesome. They're comfortable. So comfy. They go with everything. They're just great. Just They're like the staple shoe that you have to have. I can't believe we just released a second shoe with them. This is the love it or leave it sneakers. They even have tiny pictures of pundits surfing on them, little Easter eggs. <laughs> Crooked's designers and karauma designers work together to make this. It's such an awesome design. There's one in lavender and one in black, rose in black. I think they call it rose. I think it's more of a lavender. But they're awesome colors. They, the design is really intricate and cool, but also just from far away, just looks awesome. I like genuinely like was blown away. Honestly, I don't know that I would have like been so excited to have a sneaker for Love or Leave It, if it wasn't such an amazing design. So go check it out. A portion of the proceeds from every pair sold is donated to VSA's Every Last Vote Fund. And Crooked's last collaboration with Karayuma sold out super quickly. So make sure to snag a pair while you still can. They're the perfect gift for the holiday season with free returns. So just go to crooked.com slash store. That's crooked.com slash store. This podcast is brought to you by Americans United for separation of church and state. Americans United defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms and even democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. While Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs, Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU's work at au.org slash crooked. That's au.org slash crooked. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. (laughs) Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. (laughs) Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight (laughs) it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. (laughs) When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me, not me. I'm running on rails. <laughs> Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the the, the attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues. And she's mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm-hmm. Visit betterhelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, dot slash love it. And we're back. Welcome to the stage. You know her from the ballot you filled out, voting her into office. Put your hands together for the chair of the Progressive Caucus, your member of Congress, from Pramila Jayapal. Oh, hi. Thank you for being here. Yeah. I guess you're not going anywhere. Thank you for being here.
2: It is so great to be here. Welcome to Seattle.
1: It's great to be here. I want to start with this. Your sister just announced that she's running for Congress in a city. It's this, um, it's really a town that thinks it's a city. Uh, it's like basically, yeah, it's, it's called Portland. I, I know you're very supportive of your sister, but come on, is there anything you do that she hasn't tried to do? Is there. Can't the Congress be your thing? Wasn't Congress your thing? Don't you have one? Can't one thing just be yours? No, it's true.
2: One thing. I mean, I literally said to her, you have so many professions you can be in, but you (laughs) want to come to Congress? No, I'm really thrilled. She's going to be an amazing member of Congress. I hope you all get to know her. She's wonderful.
1: That's cool. I hope you both get to be in Congress. That'd be so fun. Well, you know, I don't... You know, sisters, I don't... Brings its own... We're not living together. Right. Just letting
2: you know. We're not oh staying God. in the same apartment. That's the show. <laughs> no. and, and she's That's
1: like, the <laughs> fucking show. Right. Right. Why wouldn't you... You know, I mean, Chuck Schumer lived with, like, Dick Durbin on a pullout for, like, years. I bet your sister's a better roommate than Chuck Schumer.
2: <laughs> it's going to be our version of Alpha House. Yeah, you know? right,
1: exactly. Um, had you... Uh, uh, Dean Phillips... He definitely existed two months ago. He's not someone the simulation created. You've, you're aware, you were aware of him before this.
2: I was aware of him, yes. But running for president, really? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Just throw that card away.
1: Hey, what do you think about Amazon sending drones to basically poop packages onto our lawns? So we have a video. <laughs> ah. Hey, hey, listen, listen. I know a lot of people in your district work for this conglomerate, but you can do this is this is not good, right? We it don't is want not this. good.
2: It is not good. We love the people that work for Amazon, but Amazon does need to be broken up. It is a monopoly. And this, I mean this is a lawsuit waiting to happen. There's oh. definitely somebody who is going to get hit.
1: With 100%. This. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Honey, my dumbbells are here. <laughs> Where's the dog? <laughs> what? No. I'm just your. No. To your point, and not to mine. The FTC sued Amazon in September. That came after a 16th-month investigation by the House Antitrust Subcommittee, on which uh, you're vice chair. That investigation led to a number of bipartisan bills, which go after monopolies. Uh, there's been a bunch of revelations just last few days. Some of the practices inside of Amazon. What's your What's your reaction to the most recent round of information we've gleaned from this FTC lawsuit? And, uh, yeah, what did you make of it?
2: Well, I mean, you know, the most recent lawsuit, and there's a lot that's redacted, but the stuff that's in there is stunning. Amazon got rid of a whole bunch of documents, first of all. I know you talked about that in your monologue. Um, That is always a problem. When they start getting rid of documents, you know there's a problem. But also, it's all the stuff that we found in our antitrust investigation, right? Like controlling the price Making sure that nobody else, no small business could be out there selling a product because you could take that product from them. You could see which things do well and then use that information to make your own that undercuts it. And I think this is, you know, I tweeted about this and said Microsoft also changed many, many years ago because of a lawsuit, because of an antitrust lawsuit. And everyone believes that that was a good thing for competition, for small business, um, for consumers. Even Microsoft thinks that. And so I think Amazon has just gotten too big to care. They are um, engaging in practices that are both monopolistic and also hurt workers and hurt small businesses. And I think we'll see where this FTC lawsuit goes, but I think it's really important to take it on.
1: The issue of the anti-competitive practices of big tech companies. It's a rare issue in which there's a little bit of an of a, um, ideological scramble. It doesn't neatly align. You have members of the right that think this is an important issue. I think you have, you have uh, uh, members of the left that think this is an important issue. Is there any hope for any kind of legislation that could make it through uh, this Congress?
2: I don't know about this Congress, but we did get all those bills. (laughs) I mean,
1: I'm I'm asking, I'm (laughs) curious.
2: I don't know about this Congress, but you never know. And I do think all of our bills made it through the committee in the last Congress. And Democrats controlled the House then, but it was still hard to bring it to the floor. Um, My good friend Ken Buck on the other side has been our champion on, on this issue Um, And we have talked about, is it possible to at least bring the... There's a, a newspaper competition bill, basically, that is probably the lowest hanging fruit. I think it's possible we could get that passed and help all of our independent newspapers across the country to survive. I think that would be a really, really important bill. I'm
1: trying to think if there's some way we could connect... The effort to make these giant companies more competitive with Noah's Ark, <laughs> sort of, incept the idea that I'm not, I don't have it, but we can do. I was waiting,
2: John. I was really, I don't, Noah's Ark, the tech companies' competition. Tell me, tell me. Well,
1: just sort of, you know, the dinosaurs were quite big, and <laughs> I don't have it. So, we just went through uh, a, a week in which there was a vote to expel congressman, um, he's also uh, um, the inventor of Beanie Babies, George Santos, your colleague. So that's his pedigree. Um, a lot of the movie Invictus is based on his life. It's a really moving story about people coming together at a difficult time. But there was a vote to expel him that came from New York Republicans that that failed. There was a resolution by Marjorie Taylor Greene to censure uh, Rashida Tlaib. There was uh, then a a competing measure to censure Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, Is it uh, frustrating to you having all this free time? (laughs) Because we've solved all the problems?
2: You know, um, it really is frustrating. It's like... We spend so much time there, and we have so much work to do, right? We have so many people who are hurting across the country, so many good things we could do, and we literally go there, and we do this BS stuff. It's censures, it's bills that cut, you know, the education department by 80%, right? It's like, don't say gay laws. It's all these horrific um, things they'll add on a, you know, a federal abortion ban. Why not? Let's put it into some piece of legislation, and it is... Absolutely infuriating and it's become I mean it's just hard because we want people to have faith in government and it's very difficult to have faith in government with Meg and Mike Johnson as speaker or with Kevin McCarthy or with any of these people I mean it's same menu different waiter and, um,
1: and so speaking of, the, speaking of the menu and we've got to shut this restaurant down by the way But uh, we just went through this ridiculous fight where we didn't have a speaker for all these weeks. And we end up, in many respects, where we began, which is if there's any hope to prevent a default, fund the government, uh, that has to, by definition, be bipartisan. Democrats control the Senate and the White House. Republicans control the House. Every bill that's happened uh, under this Congress to, to keep the government open and fund the government and prevent us from default has been bipartisan. What happens? We're a few weeks away from a potential shutdown. Um, We're going to, the same structural issues are coming for Mike Johnson uh, that came for Kevin.
2: Yeah, because he's also catering to the extreme, well, he is part of that caucus. The Freedom Caucus loves him. They're willing to um, get rid of the motion to vacate, which is that rule that allowed just one single person to get rid of the speaker. They like the speaker, so they want to keep that. Um, you know, they want to get rid of it now and they want to keep him, but we're going to have to pass a clean continuing resolution. There's no other way to do it. And so at some point, probably on the 16th, because funding runs out on the 17th, so probably literally on the 17th morning, there will be a big fight, and then right before the government is about to shut down, we will pass a clean continuing resolution. Really what should happen is the Senate should send us all of this so that they jam us in the House and it's right there and we can just vote on the Senate bill. Because last time what happened is the Senate didn't send us anything and then it got down to the very end and we didn't have anything and so everything just took even longer to get done.
1: No, and I think it's good that this is how we run (laughs) our country. I, I definitely think that America should basically operate like... Uh, a small contracting business run by two brothers who fucking hate each other. That's cool. That's how it should be. Just two, just two certified plumbers who can't make eye contact anymore. It is a challenge doing this show at a time in which the news can be very uh, hard and very bleak. And I did want to talk to you about this because I, I consider you somebody who really thinks a lot about how to be a representative of the progressive left in a way that is open, that tries to bring people in. So you sign on to a resolution introduced by Cory Bush and others calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. And I wanted to ask you about this resolution, not because I think this resolution is of outsized importance, but I I just truly want to use it as an example, because I I genuinely want to know what you think about this. Because, you know, even as senators and members of Congress are now increasingly calling for a ceasefire, calling for a humanitarian pause, generally uh, speaking out against Israel's conduct of the war, and are increasingly being open about how horrified they are by the sort of indefensible toll on civilians. And it is indefensible. Fewer than 20 members of Congress have signed on to that resolution. Now, the resolution does not explicitly reference Hamas terrorism or the fact that Israel's military campaign in Gaza is a direct response to the worst atrocity committed against the Jewish people since the Holocaust. The resolution says armed violence has claimed the lives of Palestinians and Israelis. And my reaction when I saw that is, oh, I don't. this wasn't written to persuade that this was written in a way that could alienate people. You know, Barack Obama spoke with uh, John and Tommy and Dan and Alyssa uh, in Chicago to mark the 15th anniversary of the Obama campaign, and he talked about the importance, especially on an issue like this, to listen to people and bring people in. Isn't the most powerful way that the left in Congress and in this country can advocate on behalf of the lives of Palestinians, the humanity of Palestinians, is to be in solidarity with your colleagues and with millions of people who are horrified by what's unfolding in Gaza and settler violence in the West Bank, but reject responses, are mistrustful of responses that diminish the humanity and security of Israelis.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is... I think that's beautifully said. And actually, um, I think we should think about legislation as one part of how we respond in any moment. So the day before I signed on to the legislation, I issued a statement with six others um, that called for a ceasefire, called for a cessation of hostilities. In that statement, we talked about October 7th. We condemned what Hamas did. We uh, talked about the fact that it was the the worst Um, incident of killing Jews since the Holocaust. We talked about uh, all of the ways... and We we said Israel has a right to self-defense because it it felt important to contextualize what we were calling for in the universal horrors that are around us. And what happened on October 7th was a horror. And what is happening now in Gaza is an absolute horror. And so we wanted to say that we were calling for a ceasefire both because you need to save, and by the way, I called for a ceasefire or at minimum a cessation of hostilities, because I think this is also something that's not super well known. but. A ceasefire is a negotiated agreement. It actually takes often a long time to do a ceasefire. It has many things that have to be a part of it. It usually is about a longer-term solution. A, a cessation of hostilities can happen today. Israel can say today we're going to cease hostilities. Um, and so it felt important to me to also give that duality to it. But I think that the, the challenge is that it doesn't... Um, If you believe in international humanitarian law, that does not look at the justification for why a conflict started. It doesn't look at who was right, who was wrong. It just says we need to minimize the impact on civilian lives. And today, John, I mean, you know this, 9,000 plus people in Gaza, Palestinians, have been killed. Over 3,000 are children. One child is being murdered every 10 minutes in Gaza. And there is no question in my mind, and I came into this work as a peace activist after, in in 2001, against the Iraq War, and there is no question in my mind that the military solution here in Gaza is not going to get Israel peace and security. It's not going to get Palestinians peace and security and self-determination. It's not going to bring back the hostages. I have continuously called for the hostages all to be released. Um, But it's not going to achieve any of those things. And so that's why, for me, the, the resolution is a resolution, it's a piece of legislation, it's there. But it's very important for me to contextualize everything that I've been saying because, and it's even hard on Twitter, you know, I hardly ever put out statements with tweets that are threads because somebody will just take one tweet and say, you haven't called for the hostages to be released i have i've talked about hamas i've talked and i think that in at the end of the day we all have to recognize there is so much trauma in the world and this is what strikes me again and again there is so much trauma there is so much pain there's so much historical context that and lived experience that is all part of everything that we're dealing with and it is incredibly complex i don't think there is a single person who knows exactly what the answer is we don't we don't don't know. This is a very complicated question. But for me, I do think that recognizing the humanity and the pain of Israelis and of Palestinians is very important. And I wish that we didn't always have just one or the other recognized. That is almost every resolution. Yeah.
1: Well, this is why I wanted to ask about it, is because... So... The resolution that did pass was the one that was uh, very much written in defense of, in support of Israel. I think that's something like 412 votes. You voted present, And I, I understand the hesitation because of the way that resolution was written. But you step back and you look at the politics and you say, there are 412 members of Congress that felt like it was important to make this statement. There are... 18 that got behind a ceasefire that was focused on a cessation of violence to protect Palestinian lives. And what is the best and most powerful way that the left in this country can represent, advocate for peace, right? And when I see protesters saying, from the river to the sea, when I see uh, people talking about, um, uh, settler colonialism or, or sort of other jargon that implies a kind of illegitimacy, a fundamental illegitimacy of Israel. A, like that's sort of anathema to me as as a Jewish person. But also... I, I find it really upsetting because I say, it's like, oh my, you've just told all these people that support Israel's right to defend itself and Israel's right to exist that, that, they don't, that they shouldn't listen to you or that they should mistrust you or that you're not in common cause with them, that you're not in a coalition with them. And I don't know, I, obviously, I'm just a, a dumb podcast person, but I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't have the answer either, but I, I find like I want so desperately for especially the people that I, I view as my friends on the left to find a way to talk about this, that builds that bigger coalition. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I do, and I think we're trying... I, I feel like that's what I'm trying to do every day. And I think what happens is there is a focus on one or the other. And like that resolution was a perfect example. I, if I were to go back over the seven years and look at all the resolutions that are about anti-Semitism. Um, there's hundreds of them, and it's very important. But there is one Palestinian-American woman in the house. Her name is Rashida Tlaib. And I think that there, there is almost never a mention even, and in that Meeks McCall resolution, it actually didn't mention Palestinians. I signed on to that resolution, by the way, when it first came out, because it was in the moment, and I really felt it was important, despite the fact that there was no mention of anything else. I felt like it didn't matter. It was still important. But 18 days later, 6,000 bombs had been dropped on Palestine. That's more bombs in one year, in six days, than we dropped on Afghanistan in 2019, in an entire year. and. 6,000 people had already been killed. And so at that point, it felt like part of the problem, fast forward, is that Bibi Netanyahu does not seem to feel any need to stop what he is doing. And the United States is one of the most important partners in that relationship. We give more to Israeli military aid than any country. So we are the major backer. And I think that there has been a leniency around how we address this question, since since October 7th, of how we address this question of international humanitarian law. Do we believe that Israel should follow laws of war? Do we believe that, um, just like we said, Russia should you know it was bad when Russia laid siege to Ukraine and stopped fuel and stopped now i'm not trying to compare them because they are very different situations but again international law does not require that you look at the underlying thing it's about saving lives so for the left i think what we have to do is first of all we have to be willing to condemn what hamas did we have to be willing to condemn hamas as a terrorist organization and And I think we have to be willing to look at the trauma and the pain of innocent civilians. I think for everybody else also, there also has to be... I mean, I was so moved when I saw President Obama speak because on this topic just just yesterday or the day before, I think on, on the pod, because he mentioned the word occupation. What other president has mentioned the word occupation? So for Palestinians who are there... And who are seeing, who they themselves are stateless. They are stateless people. I mean, they were, many of them moved into the West, into, the, into Gaza because out of Israel. Um, and some moved into Lebanon. So I think there has to be, comp- and I know this is gonna sound, this is who I am. I believe there has to be compassion and love and embrace of everybody for who they are. And I don't believe that military action is the way to resolve any of these problems. It, it, it just hasn't.
1: Thank you for having that conversation. I'm giving, we're gonna, we're just changing gears. Just as much as humans can change gears, we're about to do it. Everybody, shit, we're doing it. I'm doing it right now. We're gonna, everybody, okay? All right. The gears have changed. It's time for 24 Hours in Seattle. There was no ding. What do you mean you tried? Never in the history of this show was a ding more necessary for the fucking vibe. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry about this team. All right, here's how this works. Uh, You're the expert on Seattle. I'm just a visitor who saw Frasier. Would you come with me to Pike Place Market at dawn and use your personal warmth and political clout to get them to let me throw a fish?
2: Yes, I can take you there. They will let you throw a fish. Hell yeah! Absolutely.
1: Hey, this barge got loose in Elliott Bay and crashed into a barrier. Um... Captain Dan Kreeble saw the barge and then jumped in his Kings County water taxi and pushed the barge to a safer area. What, what, are, what are your plans? How can you bring the resources of the federal government to bear to, 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 to throw a parade for the Sully Sullenberger of Seattle?
2: He's a great captain. He's a, a ca- great look captain, at that. a great crew. Look at that. I know, it was amazing.
1: Hey, these ships are too big. They're causing all kinds of problems. They're blocking the Suez Canal or whatever. They're crashing into the Space Needle now. Speaking of the Space Needle, has it ever successfully called an alien to the planet? And is that its purpose?
2: That is its purpose, but don't tell anybody.
1: What? What goes on up there? Is there a restaurant up there? Have you been up there? I I believe when I was a child.
2: There's a restaurant up there. Um, it is a gorgeous view. Here's the thing about the Space Needle. I mean, I can't believe that it was built so long ago, but it still feels iconic, doesn't it? Like, it is still a central place in Seattle. I love it.
1: Does it have a glass floor?
2: Now it does. It didn't use to, but now it does. Yeah.
1: That's a scary project.
2: Turns right. I haven't been up there since it's been totally remodeled. is not it It turns? spins yeah.
1: now. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Which
1: way, around uh, on a what <laughs> axis? Okay. <laughs> we are recording this on Saturday evening. Daylight saving time ends. So we get an extra hour of sleep. But now the morning people they get an extra hour of sunlight in the morning, and. And the and the and the cool people. We gotta go to we gotta go we get dinner in the dark. What what's your have you taken any kind of position on this daylight saving time? I want one time. One time. I want one time. Okay. Yeah. Now now but, look.
2: But I I just want to confess I am a morning person. Yeah. You, you, by the way
1: by the way I want I want there's a thousand people here. 1,000 people knew you were a morning person. <laughs> you have such morning person energy. I mean, no disrespects. I, I just I have no doubt that, that when you and your sister were growing up, that fucking house, you guys were I think up. She's
2: a, I think she's a nighttime person. I mean, I'm a morning person because I have to fly back and forth across the coast. So for me, I'd rather stay on D.C. time... Right? Yeah. So I come home, so like right around now is kind of bedtime, you know?
1: <laughs> Which is why they're telling me to wrap it up. Uh, last question. You, you represent Seattle. Your sister is running to represent Portland. I'd like to get a rivalry going. Can we just shit talk Portland for two minutes? Where do those people get off? Are they kidding? our little
2: sister you know Portland Portland is like the little sister I mean they got cute neighborhoods you know
1: I like that that was patronizing
2: sweet little neighborhoods they've got good food trucks but I mean we're Seattle and Seattle
0: rules
1: and the thing about the thing about a Portland food truck it's two hours away from being a Seattle food truck you know what I'm saying exactly exactly Congresswoman Jayapal, thank you so much for your time tonight. This is great. So appreciate it. One more time. You're a member of Congress. Thank you so much. And we're back. Dino, how are we doing? All right. What? He's doing great. Dino's doing great. Hey, did anybody else bring someone that didn't know what this was? Oh, yeah. Now, if you're one of the people that didn't know what this was and you're still on the fence, that's cool. Please applaud. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) That was too many. That sucks. (laughs) Good night. All right, look, it has been incredible getting to experience Seattle during this short, precious time we've spent here. The rain, the gloom, the wet fleece, the tossed salad, the scrambled eggs. (laughs) Look, as I've told you every time I come here, I'm a Fraser boy. (laughs) Deal with it. All of which is to say, I am certain there is more to Seattle than what I have gleaned from television and that I'll discover a glittering metropolitan gem if I dig past his delicious cups of piping hot coffee and crotchety retired dads and Roz and Lilith. Here's what's gonna happen. Producer Brian's gonna come out there. Can we bring up the house lights, please? And I would like you to just pitch me on something you love about Seattle. I'm listening and I'm learning, but I'm gonna need you to start your pitch by saying, You know how in Fraser. So that you can connect something you love to something I'll understand. Okay? So you have to have the ability to tell me something you love about this city, but you have to start by relating it to Frasier. Can you do that? Hands are up. Hands are up. Let's start right there. Hi.
0: Hi. Um, You know how in Frasier, it's gay and they eat? Yeah. Our fast food chain is called Dicks. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. That's really good. Also, Frasier isn't gay. Frazier's gay-coded. The you know how in Fraser he's a psychologist on the radio? Uh-huh. We all need psychologists because it rains here and we're miserable all the time. Okay. But... It's good because we're all doing therapy. Because we're all doing it. Okay, 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 okay. Hi.
0: Hello. You know how in Frasier, how.
1: Sorry. I don't it's know. It's such a funny, laughing. evil thing for me to make you all do.
0: You know how in Frasier, Marty's really that like down to earth character that everybody can identify with on some level? Okay. We have really fucking awesome water taxi captains and it's really worth taking the water taxi.
1: That's who, Martin, Mar- that's who saved the fucking thing. It was, that was a Martin Crane type. That was cool. Now I'm getting it. There's dicks, there's rain.
0: You know how in Frasier, he's a therapist? Every
1: time I hear it, it's so funny. Yeah, what about Frasier? You people are obsessed.
0: Well, in Seattle, our therapist can do psychedelic psychotherapy with us to really help make an improvement in our lives. Like wow.
1: I That'll, uh, mushrooms will unscramble some eggs. You know? I think there's anybody out? You
0: know how, was married to a real housewife
1: oh interesting
0: uh, hmm yeah. and he divorced her and he was such
2: an asshole about it like terrible person
1: okay I, she followed the rules I don't it was she said but she meant Frazier as in Kelsey Grammer the man which it took me a beat to understand what do you got you know how in Frasier, they have the skyline out in the logo? Yeah. The closest equivalent is just down the way at Cary Park. It is the best view in the city. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, and this is true, the view from the apartment would be in the middle of Elliott Bay. <laughs> That's so interesting. I never thought about that. Fucking TV magic. Hi. Hi. Um,
0: You know how in Frasier, they have a dog? Sure. In Seattle, there are more dogs than children.
1: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You guys are doing great. You guys are doing great. Just, you know, understand that if we, were in, if we tried to do a game like this in San Francisco, someone would just go, Frasier! Just drunk. Hi, <laughs> it. Hi.
0: You know how in Frasier, how the dad is really laid back? Okay. It's because everyone here is stoned all the time, and you walk down the road and you smell weed. Okay. Or as my grandma calls it, freshly cut wood.
1: <laughs> Wait, what was the last...
0: My grandma calls the smell freshly cut wood.
1: That's cool. <laughs> She'll grandma? take
0: a deep whiff and go, mmm, freshly cut wood.
1: Your grandma sounds cool. Your grandma knows that weed is tight. All right. Let's do one more.
0: Hello. Hi. Um, mine is also dog adjacent. Okay. We have some of the best parks. Wait. What are you? I don't, I'm oh, sorry. sorry I'm so you sorry. You are not put it in the you form You know how a... on Fraser, he has a dog. <laughs> We have the best parks.
1: In no, the- no, 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 no. Take the mic away. Take the mic away. Uh, she blew it. She fucking blew it. Go. What? 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 This is Seattle. We follow the rules here. It's a, that's some Portland shit. <laughs> so you can do whatever you want. Grow up. Hey, John. Hi.
0: Hey, you know how
2: on Frasier, it's all white people?
1: Yeah. All right, we're done in Seattle <laughs> in Seattle
2: we have really awesome summer cultural festivals Filipino festival Japanese dance festival so uh, there are brown people here
1: I think that's a great place to leave it thank you for helping me understand your fair city in a language I could understand the language of Fraser. when we come back it's time for a late night snack don't
2: go anywhere this is love it or leave it and there's more on the way for 25 years nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a mike's hard lemonade it's because since day one mike's has been making lemonade the hard way we use three kinds of lemons all hand-picked from family farms then blended to perfection and cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love mike's hard lemonade
0: This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com/leaders. That's p a y c o r.com/leaders.
1: And we're back! Yeah. Joining us now, she's one of the creators of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And yes, I know what you're thinking. She's here to make French onion dip. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage the current host of Mad in the Kitchen. It's Madeline Smithberg. Hi. Thank you for being here. Oh, my
3: God, you're so good. Oh, stop it. Oh, my God, I am so impressed.
1: Oh, what did you think this was going to be?
3: I don't have no idea. I, it's like TV without cameras.
1: No, I know. Believe me, that's the fucking it's problem. It's
3: fucking amazing.
1: We've tried to make a TV with cameras, and they're like, no, I thank you. I
3: help with that.
1: Hey, she's got connects. She's, she's got connections.
3: I, I know how to do it. But this is so much better. Is it? I think it is.
1: So, first of all, let's start by understanding. Now, you've, you've brought a no, very no, no, technical... No,
3: no, 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 This was not my idea. This was your producers, and I ran with it. They said, why don't you make a late-night snack while talking about your career in late-night television? But so, you can't use heat. Well, we're and not going like, to cook on stage. Well, that's save. a tremendous, like, impediment to cooking. Like, I can't use heat? I would have done focaccia. Like, there's a lot of things I might have done. But so I did this idea, which I think is kind of genius, which I do describe myself as sometimes, uh, which is, what is the most, like, sort of iconic snack ever in the history of the world? And it's the Lipton fucking soup with sour cream. You can't top it.
1: You can't beat it. I have. You can beat it. I'm amping it up. Wow, taking it to another level. I'm
3: taking it to another level. That's
1: madness.
3: Okay, so here's my story. Do you want it really quickly? Yeah. Okay, so I created The Daily Show with Liz Winstead, blah, blah, blah. I was recruited to create a daily show for Comedy Central. Before that, I worked for Dave Letterman on Late Night with David Letterman in 30 Rock. Mm. Oh. I tried to hire Tina Fey, and then Lauren gave her Weekend Update. Hmm. I hired Colbert, Carell, John, Ed Helms, Rod Cornby. Pretty good list. So, it's
1: <laughs> Sorry, French onion dip, <laughs> <laughs> is the recipe. We're
3: gonna, we're gonna make some dip.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing <laughs> nothing. <laughs> There's nothing there's nothing that the producers of this show like more than when I completely lose control So we're gonna
3: take this is Lipton's onion fucking soup.
1: I Don't even know what's in it Yeah, what is in it? It's very Uh, far from the onion.
3: I just had cataract surgery
1: Oh, we don't need to actually find out because I think it makes it it, it takes away the mystery It's
3: not even on there. You have to go to a website
1: Never good Never, never go with French never onion soup good. to a second location.
3: <laughs> Hello, Seattle. All right, I'm uh,
1: putting this as the
3: onion soup mix. Yeah. We don't know what the fuck we don't know is what's in it, it, and we
1: don't need to know. But we
3: know there's onions, and in my for my money, if I could only choose one thing to put in my food, it would be an onion. You can caramelize it. And here we go. So we're putting it in. <laughs> so and that's it. Okay. So I love a live audience. It's great. I've never had one. I've always been behind the scenes.
1: Fuck so, that. So now <laughs> So I'm step, be a star. So step one. Here. You've opened the packet, the okay. This is
3: yogurt. This is Greek yogurt. Oh, so this is Greek two- yogurt, not yeah, yeah, yeah. sour yeah. cream. That's no, so no, interesting. No, 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 Sour cream is so, like, 70s. We're taking this onion dip, and we're bringing it into the- What century is this? <laughs> I've lost count. 21st? I believe. I believe.
1: So I've... Emptied- I hate it.
3: This is the worst <laughs> century I've ever been alive for.
1: Yeah, but you say that, but then wait till you see the next one. I won't be here. You knew Johnny Carson? Yeah, of course. Talk to me about that. I, you know what? Okay,
3: so when I, you know, I work, okay, so I'm going to talk to you about I was living in New York and it was, what year is it? 1985, maybe? And there was no internet and there really were no, there was TiVo, but only like two
1: people had it. What? Wait, I'm sorry. But what? No, there, uh, what? No
3: one, you couldn't record What do you shows? mean there
1: was only TiVo? In 1980, no, there, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't there. That's wrong.
3: You're wrong, I'm wrong, I'm I just, I'm right?
1: I feel insane right now.
3: <laughs> okay, so when I stayed up late and I watched Dave, I thought, I need to be a part of this. And then I wrangled some tickets and I went and I saw this guy on the studio floor and I said, I want to be him. And that guy was Robert Morton slash Morty and he was the segment producer and I would attain that goal and when I did I thought why didn't I aim higher that's awesome
1: (laughs) so what so we've mixed the we've mixed the onion into the into the yogurt which again was I'm sad to say step two but what's the next step on the dip
3: okay you're going to take some. You're going to take What is some. that? You have to tell me what this is, mint. That's fresh mint. This is parsley. Parsley. Herb. And then this is dill. Dill. Okay. So this is a very... So Sam, my now husband, gave me a cooking class the first Christmas I was here. I took a cooking class and I got recruited to be a chef. And I changed careers at the age of 60. And I became a chef. And then COVID came and my place that i was working closed my wedding was cancelled and then i started on a whim a uh, youtube cooking channel in my kitchen and it took off and i was on the Today show three times i was a regular on all these shows i had five cameras in my kitchen and then i got breast cancer and i ended up with this patrick mahomes hair that you have (laughs) he knows
1: taylor's boyfriend
3: Funny.
1: I do all right. You're funny. I do all funny. right. I do all right. All right. Wait, so we cut so this now into we're here? No,
3: you're going to make a mitt. I'm this is a, a mad in the kitchen, and these are called Caesars. and this is what I did on my channel, which I'm not doing right now. I'm writing a fucking book called Almost Funny, and it's my life in late-night television, cooking, and cancer. You're going to make a mitt. Squeeze them.
1: Let me ask you this. So, so you go from... You go from Letterman to working on the creation of The Daily Show with Liz Winstead.
3: Yeah. Liz is my neighbor. I go from Letterman to being hired by MTV to produce. I do a cooking, sh- like food show uh, pilot called Eating New York. I leave Letterman gracefully, and uh, I produce this pilot. And I produce a pilot with my now still best friend. I'm talking to you, Mike. And uh, it's called Eating New York, and it ends up on the desk of this woman named Eileen Katz, who is the head of original programming for MTV. She sees my show, because she's a foodie, like me, and she sees my resume, which is inside the, you guys will love this, three-quarter-inch cassette on her desk, (laughs) I'm old. And it says, late night with David Letterman, blah, 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 blah. She brings me in. John and I have this meeting. They have him in the basement. We fall in professional love. And now I go from segment producer at Letterman to showrunner at the Jon Stewart show on MTV. Ah. The best time of my life. We had a band on every show.
1: What do you think? So Jon Stewart in The Daily Show had this outsized influence at this moment. You know, he, he, was, the, he, was, he was the right After person. After the
3: 2000 election.
1: He was the right, yes. He was the right person in the right format, the right show. At the right time. At the right time. You're welcome. In the You're right, welcome. In the right You're welcome. media You're environment. Welcome. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. What, do you. what do you think right now, though? So as someone who found everyone Paul from Baird, Ed Helms, Hire, Colbert.
3: Colbert and Perel.
1: I want to ask you a question about right now, which is that, like, it does feel like in a media landscape where, we, you know, Jon Stewart was satirizing something a lot of people were seeing, which is cable news. Now everyone is seeing a Something different. Something different.
3: There's no place for it. The so whole... what is the
1: role? How do you do... How do you have a late-night show that speaks more broadly when people are getting their information in such striated ways?
3: No, there's no place for this late-night show anymore. Nobody stays up and watches an entire show. They watch the monologue on the internet the next day. I don't know the answer to your question, but I'm really excited to try to figure it out, and I'd love to be involved in the next incarnation.
1: This is really good. Isn't it? Yay!
3: It's so... Oh, my God.
1: That is so friggin' good. Come on! French onion dip rules. I would like you to, I would like you to share one thing about Johnny Carson that we might not know.
3: Carson was the king, because he never s- looked like he was sweating, and he would just sit there and let things happen, and then all of a sudden, boom! He would just pull out the perfect joke, and he would never laugh at his own jokes.
1: Matt in the kitchen, Madeline Smithberg. When we come back, it's time for the Rant Wheel. That dip was good. People love that dip. We're back. Somehow it's already November, and tomorrow, November 7th, in Election Day in key battleground states across the U.S., the media hype has turned to 2024, but that won't stop 2023 elections from having a massive impact on abortion access, voting rights, and more. If you or someone you know lives in Virginia, Ohio, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, or Mississippi, visit votesaveamerica.com slash nooffyears votesaveamerica.com slash no off years and make sure you're ready to vote also Sofia Coppola's Priscilla hits theaters earlier this week to favorable reviews but what to Keep It host Lewis and Ira think find out plus Get Out star Alice- Allison Williams stops by ooh big get for more pop culture moments and coverage listen to new episodes of Keep It every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts I've run out of things to rant about and so we solicited some rants from a few of you before the show. But before we get to that, there was somebody that we want we wanted to invite to the show. And can we roll this clip?
0: It's not a thing that happens
3: on the street. People can just come up and try to rob people on the street.
0: Do you walk around every day like? Someone's gonna
3: rob me every second? Seattle decriminalized drug use, and then they criminalized it again.
0: Oh my God, who are you getting these facts from? You're from New York, apparently you're listening to the wrong people. I saw a lot of
3: people shooting up on my way down here. Oh, did you? Okay. And they were bothering you? I was
1: in a car, but, you know, people- Oh oh no, you're in a car!
3: Oh no, they were hurting you so
0: bad!
1: 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. So, we put the word out that we wanted to meet this uh, intrepid resident of your fair city. And they're here tonight, and we just wanted to say hello. Are you here? Hi. Hi come on. Oh the, the defender of Seattle. Uh,
3: this is Hi,
1: This is cool. Now, I know you're, when did you realize, when did you realize, first of all, great energy, I get it. <laughs> when did you realize in that moment that you were dealing with like a Fox News guy?
0: Um, so I, he, I, I was at Seattle Center, for, first of all, not a place you go to meet people from Seattle. Totally weird. Um, and this guy with, two cam- with the camera, he's like, hey, can I talk to you? He's like, sure, fine. And then I was like, wait, what is this for? And he says, it's Fox. I'm like, oh, no. Like, abort, abort. And... But I was like, I already said yes. I wouldn't want to be rude, right? So... And then he starts, and he comes in with the most boneheaded questions. And I was like, oh, this guy's a complete doofus. So... But he started getting really aggressive about it. So it's like, okay, no, I'm losing, I'm losing my cool. And apparently when I lose my cool, I get really sarcastic.
1: <laughs> Way to go. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So I want to try this. Let me see what we got. Here are the suggestions. Performative parenting. I just have a problem with parenting. People talking on their cell phone in the public bathroom. I'm for it. Have your chats. It's fun hearing one side of it. Car-centric infrastructure. Yeah, I'm against it. But not when I'm driving. Because when I'm driving, it's me. And I got places to go. Mm. Golden Bachelor. It's, uh, it's sort of, what if the thing that was bad was older? Uh, Family medical leave Act is only 12 weeks and it's, 100, and it's not 100% paid. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Tasks at work that make you envy Sisyphus. That just feels like a cry for help. <laughs> Why isn't everyone talking about the Diablo 4 expansion? Because uh, everyone isn't as cool as us. <laughs> Love is blind is just trauma bonding people to overcome physical attraction. Yeah. But you know what? Here's the thing having spent some time watching Love is Blind for the first time. What season? I watched the most recent season. No! I know, apparently it wasn't a good season. But, it was, but, but I don't know what it could be, so what I saw is what it is. What? is. You're watching it. Dino's watching it. He's having a great time. You're having a great time with the show. Well, you're just interrupting me to tell me that he's having a great time. It's not just about Dino. There's a lot of other people here. I'm glad he's having fun, but I was in the middle of a fucking sentence. That's it. What? Dino's the fucking best. We Look, Dino, Dino's vibe has been cool from the beginning. He was unsure but open. I have watched him have more fun as the night went on, and then I watched you embarrass him. The, <laughs> The worst moment he had, I, based on his facial expression and reaction, the worst kind of like, ugh, he had the whole night was you just now. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun tonight, but we're gonna end <laughs> with your high notes. Let's bring up the house lights. Hi, John. Hi. Long time, first time. So this summer,
2: I just moved back to America after living in China for the
1: last 11 years And I am so very glad to be back here it Welcome home It is a much better country Yeah, so. yeah it is
2: And I've been listening to you guys since the beginning uh, Keeping it at 1600 Hell yeah And you guys are blocked in China We're blocked? Yeah, you need to VPN. Yeah
1: <laughs> President G can't handle what we're putting down These takes are too hot For President Xi of China. What do you got?
0: My name's Eileen, and I'm a political consultant. And as you mentioned, Tuesday is election day, including here in Seattle and across Washington State. We're voting on city council, county council. And my high note is that a candidate I work with, Alex Hudson, who is running in Seattle's District 3, Capitol Hill, First Hill, has knocked on over 16,000 doors... And I'm feeling really good and optimistic about our chances of getting another progressive leader, champion on Seattle City Council. And I just want to make sure everybody here votes. Vote, freaks. It's so easy.
1: Just put it in the mail. Everybody's going to vote in their local election. All the way up there. By the way, this theater is fucking beautiful. The Moore Theater, it's so cool. What do we got?
0: Hi, John. Hi. My, uh, my high note is a little bit coming off of your rant about family paid medical leave. So I just came off of that, and it was awesome. It's an amazing state program, and I just think that being able to have your husband or partner stay home with you for three months is pretty amazing. Um, and so I'm coming off of that this week, and it's been an amazing experience. So very grateful for Washington State family paid medical leave. Oh yeah. Hi John, Hi. I'm Rachel
2: and I have a friend named Catherine who beat breast cancer and she's here with me tonight to see you because she's alive and she's going to fight. Nice. She's my high note.
1: Very happy for you. Thanks for coming. Hi John. Hi. Um, I'm excited
3: to be the new uncle of a uh, twin uh, nieces. Of my brother who lives in North Dakota and I'm excited to be the crazy leftist uncle of the family Hell yeah it's
0: gonna be a ton of fun and thank you to the cricket media team for being
1: somebody who helped me see the light from North Dakota uh-huh. last one last one what is your name what's your high
0: note hi I'm Emily um, My high note
2: is that I'm a critical care nurse, and I'm getting a PhD in nursing science. And my high note is that my research, improving health equity for patients who speak a language other than English, was approved to be presented at NTI slash the Association of Critical Care Nurses, which is like the largest (laughs) conference we have. (laughs)
1: That's great. And
2: I'm really excited about it. And Congratulations. Congratulations.
1: We have to leave it there. We have to leave it there. That is our show. If you've got a, if you've got, before we wrap, thanks to everybody who shared a high note tonight. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, call us at 323 538 2377. That is our show. Thank you so much to the Moore Theater. Seattle, Camilla Jayapal, Madeline Smithford. Thank you all so much for coming out. There are 362 days until the 2024 elections. Have a great night. Thank you, Seattle. What a blast. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our executive producer. Brian Semmel is our producer. And Malcolm Whitfield is our associate producer. Hallie Kiefer is our head writer. Povey Gunalan, Sarah Lazarus, Jocelyn Kaufman, Peter Miller, and Alan Pierre, Will Miles, and El Elshakey are our writers. Evan Sutton is our editor. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis provide audio support. On the road, Vendelin von Schroeder is our tour manager. And Anastasia Anderson is our tour coordinator. Stephen Colon is our audio engineer. And Milo Kim is our videographer. Our theme song is written and performed by SureSure. Sure, Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Bernardo Serna, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast, and to our digital producers, Zuri Irvin, David Told, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroot for filming and editing video each week so you can. You can find those glorious videos at youtube.com slash at Subscribe to Love It or Leave It on YouTube for access to video versions of your favorite segments and other exclusive content. Don't forget to follow us at Quicken Media on IG and Twitter, and if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review.
0: It's love it or Leave It.